What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the One Less Podcast. This is your host, Dylan Ignacio. One thing I wanted to do prior to getting into our very first full-length podcast is give a big shout-out to Deputy Bookham. Deputy Bookham is the, is who created the rap another day that he allowed me to use in the beginning of my intro podcast, which if you haven't checked that out, go ahead and check that out so you can learn a little bit more about me and this podcast prior to getting into the full-length podcast. But I highly suggest you go check out his Instagram page, Bookem, B-O-O-K-E-M underscore 382, and give him some love because he's got some wild skill. And he's blessed me enough with being able to use his content in this podcast and supporting the One Less Mission. Also, he just dropped a promo video, which I got to be put into and you can find that on my page at Grow With Dill on Instagram. All right, so without delaying it any further, thank you guys for tuning in, and I really hope you guys enjoy this full-length episode. Another day is another day. Thank God for another day. I know they want to see us dead, but this line, it'll never fade. Here we are, recording number one, bro. <laughs> Why does it get awkward as soon as you press record? Because we've been talking about it for three months. and <laughs> That's true. And here we it's are. It's like getting record is like the ultimatum. It's like, <laughs> if we mess this up, we, we shall never move forward. Yeah, well, it helped that you mentioned before we did this, uh, like, oh, I don't, know, I don't know how to edit. I don't know how to do any of this. <laughs> so that's great. I mean, if they could even see the setup right now, we basically this have is, to make out to, to get this mic to record us. This is the jankiest podcast <laughs> in the history of podcasts. But it's going to work. It's, We're going to get it. It's 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 designed to work. It, it shall work. It shall we'll work. See. We will get into it. Oh, man. Well, big thanks to everybody who decided to tune into this. It's our first podcast. I probably should introduce myself. Yeah, that might be a good idea. <laughs> My name's... Dylan Ignacio, and I got my, my boy here, David Daniels, and we're both local PD officers. Can't tell you where, that's confidential. But, All day, um, every day. But yeah, I've been in it for about six years. How about you? Uh, this will be my fourth year. Fourth year? Yep. All right, cool. Fun fact, I also trained Daniels back in the day. He did. That was <laughs> that was back when we were at a uh, you know a low point for field trainers, so they kept putting me with um with rejects like Lemley <laughs> yeah. to try and or Ignacio rather to try and show me how to be a cop. But not nah, great times. Um, really did teach me a lot. You know, he was still kind of a pup in the in the career field at his time, but really did teach me a lot. And you know, taught me how to be safe. And I probably wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him and my other trainers. You know, teaching me how to survive the way that they did. Oh, man, they got deep quick. I mean, I wasn't trying to. I was just. I appreciate. I appreciate you, man. I really do. I appreciate you. Maybe, maybe later I'll I'll tell people how I actually felt about you (laughs) at that time. You putting up a you putting up a facade right now. It's a front right now, but there. (laughs) I definitely felt a lot differently towards you when we were in the car together first than than how I feel now, and we'll get we'll get to that later. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually excited because I don't think I know the full story. It's. It's it's not bad. It's it's just, it's evolution. You know, you you think you know people, and I think that that's kind of like a big thing with this podcast is you think that you may know somebody, and you and you think that the way that somebody is acting at a, at any given time is who they are, and I think like in breaking down these walls and and trying to get everybody to talk, we realize that that may not be the person's true colors. That person may be going through something, and. Obviously, I didn't know for years that 
you know, at the time that I first met Dylan, like he was, he was going through stuff and that explains like why he was an asshole in, in the car with me, you know, and like, and it, a lot of different behavioral things wound up being explained later on. And then once like I got to learn who the real Dylan was, I was like, you know, this is actually a really, really good guy. And he, he does a lot of incredible things for the youth of, of the city that we work in and, and for his other officers. And those are all things that kind of like fell on deaf ears at first because I, I despised him so much when I first met him. But then like, as I got to know him and realized that it was because he was dealing with stuff, you know, but we're, we're going to get into that because that's what this is all about. That's so crazy to hear because I was, I was so sheltered during that moment. And I'll get into that, you know, here in a bit. I was so sheltered in that moment that I didn't think I was affecting anybody. You know what I mean? Like I thought, I thought I had a really good front put up where nobody could tell. But I think it wasn't so much that people couldn't tell. It's just that people didn't say anything in that given moment, and so it just made me feel as though nobody noticed. Sure. And I don't even know if during that time if I really wanted to, if I wanted anybody to reach out because I think I was confident that I was going to get through it, and I didn't need anybody, which ended up being a very long long endeavor so let's give a little bit of background on what this podcast is about this podcast was created to fight the stigma around mental health and law enforcement this is a true passion of mine because of what i've personally experienced it's something that is very real i mean i don't have to say much individuals to realize that because the numbers are out there i mean they're they're sure you can't argue data you can't argue data and i can't argue my personal experience no, and I can't either. And I think that many people will listen to this and think, well, man, these guys, you know, they're pretty, pretty young into their law enforcement careers. You know, they're just pups. But that doesn't that doesn't escape the fact that you and I both have experienced things that have changed us, um, you know, on a physiological level, on a chemical level. Like there's there are things that have that we've experienced that have changed us because the things that we experience in this job, people aren't meant naturally to, to experience and to deal with or to see and to do and even in, even in a short career, like I don't want, I think part of this, this negative stigma is that like, we don't need to pay attention to our younger officers. Like we don't need to pay attention to our one, two, three or four year officers, but like we do, we need to pay attention to every officer because every officer, whether they have six months on the job or 16 years on the job, they, we need to care about all, all of them. They have all experienced stuff. None of it was meant to be experienced on a chemical level by human being, but yet you're doing it every single day. And we need to drive the point home that everybody matters, everybody's important, and hopefully if we talk about it long enough, then people will stop, you know, this idea that you need to gut it out and you need to be too tough will go away. And you can look at your partner and when you feel like they're going through something or they need to talk, you can just ask them. And there's we don't have to have this iron curtain around it. Right, 100%. And I guess to make it pretty blunt here is, you know, both... Daniels and I have both dealt with being suicidal, stemming primarily because of unsolved issues I had prior to joining the police department that I wasn't even aware that I had, um, insecurities that I had, and then also just the things I experienced while in law enforcement and not having healthy habits to process those things snowballed into what I ultimately ended up going through. And so, and it kind of just hit me in the face. You know, I remember being in my apartment and sitting here on my couch and it was almost completely random. It's almost like I, you know, I, 
I didn't expect it. I was just sitting there. I wasn't depressed in that moment. I wasn't unhappy. I was kind of just, just a regular day hanging out. And a thought ran across my head. And it was basically a thought that was very loud. And it didn't sound like me. But essentially the voice was, you're not going to be anything. Why don't you just grab your gun that's up there in your cabinet and kill yourself? And that is exactly the voice when it first came across i was like are you fucking like what, what is this you know what i mean but then it started to get louder and it started to get louder and, and over the course of i thought it was just going to go away so i didn't i didn't take any action i just kind of was like well that was a weird thought i'm not you know hopefully i could just overcome that but it, it continued to fester itself and for weeks i was having these thoughts and i've always been somebody who believes that you can think things into fruition I, my biggest concern was how many times could I have these thoughts before it actually comes true? And that's what scared the living shit out of me because I have a family. I mean, anybody knows me as I'm a very personable person. Um, I don't, I have a very, very loving family who cares about me. I got four sisters and three brothers, you know what I mean? And so it wasn't like, I wasn't even directly in an example where I had like lost everything or there was one specific <clears throat> example of, of things, things that I had experienced. It just it kind of led up. Um, it built into that. And it took me, I mean, I sat in those thoughts for a few weeks to uh, almost a couple months entertain the idea of getting help because I was in denial that I was experiencing this thought. And crazy enough, when I did reach out, I reached out to one person in our department. And the only reason that I reached out to that one person was because he had shared his experience prior and that's the only person I knew that I could trust because I'm like, well, if he went through it and, you know, he's 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 very open about it. I know that I could pro I could probably trust him with telling him what I'm going through. But, man, the the, the road to getting, I, I guess, I don't want to say getting better, but the road to, like, getting in a better mentality is a, is a journey. I mean, it's a grind. I mean, it's the same as if you want to get fit in the gym. You know, you constantly go to the gym, you show up, you work out, and you feel good in this moment. It's the same thing. It's the same things that I had to go through. And what I didn't realize after going through therapy, that when you have a negative mentality and that's all your brain knows, then you have to, then you have to replace all that negativity with positivity to make that change. But it takes time, especially if you're primarily a negative person. It just takes time. I mean, you talk about healthy habits. I mean, I didn't realize then that coming home after a 12 hour shift, and immediately opening up, you know, a six pack of beers and playing video games until one o'clock and then, you know, waking up, hitting the gym and then doing it all over again. I didn't realize that was a bad habit. Sure. In that moment, I was like, I'm just having a good time. Yeah. You know, I wasn't directly like doing what I got to do. Exactly. I'm going to work and then I'm, I'm relaxing my own way. And then, you know, but have we, have we really processed everything? You know, did we even give ourselves a chance to process it? Nah, we just, no, you just, you just roll you just into the it, next you know? day and you do it to do it. You do it. I mean, and some people already naturally without thinking about it already have healthy habits that they, that they have, you know, for example, if you have a family at home, you know, maybe, you know, there's certain things that you definitely want to indulge in like excessive drinking or something like that because you have a family. And so therefore you're able to maybe process those, those traumatic experiences differently. But for somebody who didn't have anything in place and didn't even know I needed to have anything in place, for me it was all normal. But now looking back at it, it's like, okay, but 
also, I'm a very neat person. Like, if you look at my apartment right now, it's spotless. It's the nicest apartment yeah. in the city, man. I'm telling you. You know? I mean, for being one of the project housing units, I mean, it's <laughs> You know? We uh, in here, though. Yeah, we in here. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? But, yeah, I'm, I am this person. But if you would have seen me, you know, three years ago and walked into my apartment, you would have seen dishes piled up all the way to the top. You would have seen food that was in my refrigerator for, I mean, God knows how long. You would have saw clothes piled up from laundry I didn't do. Man, I'm glad I'm not the only one. I mean, Cause, <laughs> cause, I mean like, cause hearing you say that, like, you know, it's triggering me back to when when I first started being a cop. And I didn't, I didn't know how to live my life like that, you know, where we're working 12, 13, upwards of 18 hours a day if you get held over on a late call. And then you're on midnight, so you're exhausted, so you're sleeping all day, like... I remember my house was a looked like an atom bomb went off in it, you know, like it was just it was awful. And like, Same with mine, bro. And uh, to anybody listening out there, like, please, for the love of God, get a, get a cap on that because that walking into like working in chaos, which is what you do. If I'm talking to if I'm talking to first responders, if I'm talking to law enforcement officers, nurses, EMTs, firefighters, active duty military service members, we work in chaos. And the last thing you want to do is come home and continue to live your life into chaos. So if there's one thing that I, that I greatly urge you to get a, get control on is your home and your living environment. Because if, if that is a mess, like you, like the way of the samurai, I guess, like you, you have to have that looking good. Otherwise, it's, it's, it's just going to really mess you up. No, 100%. I, I mean, there's nothing better than after your whole day being shit to come home to a clean apartment. 100%. Like I can't tell you, like my bed being made. Or like I don't have any dishes to do, or man, I'm hungry, but I have food I cooked in the in the refrigerator already. Like there's nothing better than just coming home to that, so that you don't have more work to do, because all it's going to do is stress you out. Um, you know, so I, if you can get that, get that in order, that's a that's a great step in the first place. <clears throat> I think, and I feel like this will organically we'll dive deeper into this. I mean, look. Daniels and I have no idea what we're doing whatsoever. We're just kind of here. We hit record and we're hoping it works out for the best. But the reason that this podcast even started or why this entire, and I'll get into the nonprofit in a second here, is because we are in a way better place today than we were a few years ago. Or even a few months ago. Or even a few months ago to be, yeah. yeah. So um, we both have different stories and we'll dive deeper into those um, later on, but the life that I'm living now, I mean, I went from, and you guys who listen to my intro, you know, that's like that short three-minute piece that I'm going to, that will be uploaded up here shortly. You know, you'll hear a lot about, about, about my background. About, about, about. Um, you'll hear about my background. Very articulate. Views, <laughs> that's right. Gentlemen. That's how I stand. That's how I sound on the stand, too, when I go up there. We won't listen to you testify. It's, <laughs> it's absolutely it's, a, it's an absolute nightmare. Hey, look, I haven't lost any, though. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So... So to put things into perspective, I'm 27 years old. Uh, I got into the police department at 21, right into 22. So I have six years of experience under my belt. And three years in is when it really, the shit hit the fan. And the life that I was living then is, I'm an entirely different person. Like, it's like I was, I mean, I don't want to sound like all corny, but it was like I was reborn. Like, I'm an entirely different person now, bro. Like, before, I didn't want to be a part of any ancillary duties, like, I had opportunities to put in for SOT. I had opportunities to put in for, you know, numerous different positions. But I was like, I have no interest. Zero. No interest in doing any of that. And this is going to dive into something deeper. But I think a lot of it was because I didn't even know if I wanted to be a cop, even when I joined the police department. Because as you as you know, me becoming a police officer was a 
let's say I was working as a as a government contractor and I was working at Modell's part time. And prior to being in law enforcement, like I was somewhat of a shithead. So, you know, never really set myself up for law enforcement, even though I grew up in a law enforcement household. And I feel like when you grow up in a law enforcement household, you either turn one way or the other. Um, you either are like, you're really squared away and yes sir, no sir, or you're just like, you know, just completely off the rails, like trying to yeah. do everything you're not supposed to do. And that was kind of me for a while. And I feel like I could d- dive back into my my background. You know, I don't, I don't want to lead too far down that path like r- right now. But... You know, I had all these things. First of all, I didn't know if I really wanted to get into law enforcement, but I did take it as a blessing when I actually got in. But the way it started was I was sitting at the table. My mom was like, look, you're about to be 21. Like, you got to get out of my house, dude. And, you know, and that's from her. Like, her background is from 100 West Virginia. I mean, she was out the house at 16. Now, my, my dad, he had a different, I mean, he's Dominican. So his entire background uh and culture in that aspect was like you can live here until your kids have kids you know what i mean yeah um but you know mm-hmm. mom runs a house so you know you know what mom says goes and so my dad looked at me you know i remember we're sitting there having dinner and he was like why don't you become a cop and i laughed at him and he laughed at me and the story goes next thing i know is in a uniform yikes <laughs> <laughs> you know but I never, ever, I mean, I have such a high amount of respect for my father that I was like, okay, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm not going to let him down. But my other thing was, is unfortunately fell into, because of the path I'd taken, and I was like, well, other than my dad and some of my other family members, like, there's a lot of assholes out there on the street. Sure. And I want to be one less of them. <laughs> one less. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know what I mean? Did, I didn't did plug that on yeah, purpose. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he and did. No, I didn't. And so, you know, that was my mentality. But also... You know, when I got into law enforcement, I didn't feel like I really fit in either because I never knew I wanted to be a cop. And there I am in an academy with a lot of people who just, they all they ever wanted to do was become a cop. And I had a lot of insecurities with that. Bunch I mean, of ta- I had, bunch of tackleberries up well, in there. Well, man. I mean, I'm just saying that, like, it made me insecure, you know, and that's, that's a deeper issue. Growing up with somebody who dealt with bullying, heavy, stuff like that, I had a lot of, like, self-insecurities, right, that were yeah. exposed by this job entirely. Things that I thought I'd overcome already that got exposed by this job. But, I mean... Is it safe to say that without your dad, you would have never become a, become a cop? Yeah, definitely not. Definitely not? 100% not. So... I mean, I, I don't want to ever say 100% because you just don't know. But no, like, you don't I'm, know. I'm, so to make like the, the transition, so both of my, my fathers are in law enforcement. I did not know that. So my stepdad, now. who I have his last name, Victor, he did 25 years and he's still in law enforcement he, he retired from my department and then now he works for the sheriff's office and my biological father lives out west virginia and he eat and uh and he um and he works for the fbi so i, did I not know that yeah, i have two family members and yeah so no but with that being said i don't think i would have ever gotten to law enforcement because before that day where we had that conversation at the table I never, ever, ever had even an idea or a thought of being a cop. But I knew that if I was going to be given that opportunity, that I wanted to make a difference. Like, I knew that from the go. Mm. I just didn't know how. You know, I had no idea what to expect. You know, like, pretty much what my what my pops gave me advice. He gave me two pieces of advice. One in the beginning of my career, and then when I was three years in thinking about quitting, he gave which me is, Which is advice. around the time that I met you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I thought I was hiding that well, but apparently I didn't. Absolutely not. He gave me one. He said, look... <laughs> No matter what you did, it's always great, and this is for anybody who wants to get hired, but we'll have another segment on that, is to just be completely honest. It's better to get denied because you weren't qualified than to get denied because you're a liar. And so I was like, all right, 100%. I'm not, because I know, like, if I lie on this polygraph, 
everybody in the whole department is going to know that, you know, Victor's son's a liar. Like, come on, I'm not going to do that. And my, my, my pops, I'll get into him, you know, I'm probably going to have him, I want to have him on this podcast too. Um, and he can talk about his career. I mean, it is, I mean, he's, he, he's he, one of the, he's one of the smartest human beings I've ever met. And he, he he's definitely paved outrageous. a path for me that I, I'm, I'm so blessed for. I mean, it just made things so much easier just because of all the hard work that he put in. But, um, and that was another reason why as soon as I got granted the opportunity, now here's the funny part. I got denied during the process to become a cop, which I mean, for, not for, a surprise if you know my background. For our current agency or yes, for another agency? This agency. I got well, did, had you applied to any other agency no, 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 no. because you you were sitting there at the table with your dad. Yeah, no, there's no, and this no, is it. Absolutely not. Yeah. I, was, I originally got denied by the panel, like at the very end of the interview. And then the chief called me into his office. I mean, I expected to get denied. My background was not okay. So he called me into his office and he was like, look, man, you fuck this up. I'll make sure you never get a job in law enforcement again. That is not Yikes. our current chief. That was a previous yeah, chief. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, yes, sir. You know, sure. <laughs> like a hundred percent. So I got my bus cut and I got my pants ready yeah, to go and exactly. I'm, I'm ready to partake in the academy, sir. <laughs> Sign me up. Sign. You know, so I, uh, you know, my pops said, look, man, administration is always going to be a clusterfuck. But you're at the bottom. You don't have to worry about anything. Bottom of the totem pole. He's like, you're at the very bottom. You don't have to worry about any of that. Just do what your sergeant <clears> asks you to do unless it's, you know, illegal. But like he was like, just do what everybody asks you to do. And then you can pave your own way and you won't really be messed with as long as you're doing you know, doing what you need to do. And I live by that. And that's what I did. That's exactly what I did. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah, sure. There were times like where I was like, why do I have to do this? And I just think back, my pops like, yo, just listen, do what you got to do. You know, keep your sergeants happy, things like that. And, and your career will be fine. And, and, and it was. So leading into that, I, I, my issues didn't even stem from admin, but the issues that I had were all internal. It wasn't because like I got screwed over one time. I had, a, I have had throughout my career, amazing sergeants. And I've been blessed for that. I can go with you on that because a lot of people will often complain about their superiors and a lot of people will often complain about admin and the higher ups or the, or the hierarchy that is a police department. I can honestly say that from, from my like standpoint as an officer, I have been blessed. I have had phenomenal supervisors. I have worked with some excellent officers. Do we have some, some lazy officers? Do we have some officers that I might not get along with? Sure, but I, I have to say, by and large, I'm very blessed to be with the department that we're at. I'm very blessed to have the officers that we do. I have been in some situations where it could have very easily ended with um, somebody singing a song around a wooden box. Yeah. And if it wasn't for those officers, man, I got to tell you, like it, it worked out the way it did because we were all we were all family and we all kept each other safe. Yeah. So I, at the end of the day, like I know there are you, people are always going to have problems with the agency that they work for, by and large, because what, what's the saying about cops? Cops, oh, they hate they hate change and they hate the way things are. Yeah, you're always going to have those problems, but sometimes, man, when you really look down at it, and I look at the people that we work with, and the people that are in charge of us, even. Um, a lot of my problems really get on a shoestring at that point because I I have found that most of my problems were um, I I was the cause. It was it, it was it was my it was my fault. It, it wasn't anybody's fault. The fact but you're harping on that, I burned so many relationships early on in my career because I could not find myself. Right. I mean, I burnt so many friendships, and anybody who's listening to this who I had an issue with, which I've rekindled all those, but I know they never come back a hundred percent. You know what I mean? You know, I re- I rekindled those those relationships to today. I mean, it took time, but I really, I was not a person you wanted to be around. I was not the guy you wanted to go grab drinks with. 
I, I and you know, bro, you were a dick. I, I mean, I, and I, didn't I, even, I love you now. Like, I love you I mean, like I brother now. Saying, like, you, you know, the crazy dick. thing is, is that as much as you're saying that, <clears throat> I had to do a lot of reflecting to notice that piece of myself because I've never seen myself to be that way, yeah. ever. If anything, I thought I was one big sob. I didn't think that I was an asshole at all. But you know, clearly, and I believe that <laughs> I am a sob. But it's, but but at the end of the day, I think I was putting up a facade, maybe, like or maybe over, you know, overdoing it while at work just to like stay a man, I guess. You know what I mean? To just stay in tech. But I'm just saying that I wasn't when I was going even in the beginning before I even knew I had an issue. I mean, I clearly had some stuff I needed to deal with before I even thought about being a cop, which I I didn't even know I had. So, of course, like I said, uh, some of the things that I experienced on the job, you know, and being able to relay that. I mean, I've lost two friends to suicide, two friends to overdose. You know what I mean? Like, I, and then seeing that on the job just sparks the memories of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, shit, I almost had to give a good friend of mine from high school, a good buddy I knew in high school um, of mine, he OD'd on heroin, and I got the call to do the death notification to his father. And that really, fu- that like really fucked me up. Like, who called you to do that? Well, it was the detective from Miami who was just asking for somebody and oh. I got to sign the call. So it wasn't like they knew. Okay, you know what I mean? Okay, okay. It wasn't like anybody no, was like, no, I was just, you know this person? You're trying to like... Well, yeah, and that's... that's no, 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 no. I was yeah, like, no, it wasn't I mean, like really that. impersonal. It wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't like that at all. No, no, I just got to sign the call and I was like, what are the odds? So, <clears throat> you know... You know, that messed with me. Um, I, I know myself as an emotional being as much as I I have tried to come up with the facade that I'm not. Um, I know We all want to be tough guys. I mean, so... We all want to be tough guys. Well, and that's, guys, yeah, and I dealt with that a lot, too. I was just trying to stay face and be some tough guy. It's like, nah, but, you know. But um, that happening and then, like, going... Like, that's the number one call that we deal with is suicides. And then, I guess the other thing is, and I'm not bashing... Um, dark humor because I definitely have it and it definitely yeah we all do it's how we cope it, gets, it makes me cope but the problem is is that when you can relate to what's being joked about is when it really messes with you like I just know that like after seeing so many suicide attempts I mean the jokes that kind of would go around about that and then I was like looking at myself like exactly you know what yeah. I mean and it's to no disrespect for anybody going through it that is not the point of this the point of it is is that we do have a dark sense of humor and I'm not asking anybody to to cater that either. I'm not asking anybody to change their ways. That's not what I'm asking. But I just want to put that out there that when there's being jokes made, probably because that officer is trying to cope with the issue that they just witnessed as well. When the jokes are when a joke is made about something that you're currently dealing with, that in your mind is that serious, which it is. It really messes with you, and if anything, it put me in a further hermit crab because I'm like, I'm definitely not gonna, I'm definitely not gonna expose myself now. Like, I don't want to. I mean, that that kept me back. I mean, and that's the stigma. I mean, honestly, that's the stigma. Um, you know, I've had people reach out to me. I do a lot of community outreach. I was born and raised where I serve, so I've had individuals asking me, like, why are you just doing this just for law enforcement? And it's not going to be just for law enforcement. We want this to grow into all first responders and military. 
that is the goal. To bring it back and just give an idea of what we're trying to do here, um, and I know it's kind of been all over the place, but it's our per- first podcast. Deal with it. By the way, I just want to apologize. I have been sick for a week, so I know that I'm awfully nasally, and Dylan has yelled at me about ten times because I keep tapping this table, and <laughs> gonna, this is this is not an, blow people's eardrums. This out. is not an ASMR video, so I'm like I'm like <laughs> swiping the table. I'm tapping my fingers, and I'm I'm literally I'm, <laughs> I need something. I'm literally breaking every like podcast rule right. <laughs> now so well i mean it's just because of my setup so jinky if you literally like fart it'll like blow somebody's eardrum out uh, my so, apologies but but we're, we're trying i'm, I'm we're trying just, i am trying. trying so just to dive in a little bit about wh- what one less is all right uh, be completely honest i came up with that name in the shower i actually came up with one less and and my idea was i wanted to facilitate something that would result in one less suicide that's originally what the idea was, and that is that is still the main mission. But one less is very versatile. It can it can be anything you want it to be. It could be one less bad encounter with police. It could be I mean it could be one less whatever you could think of. <clears throat> one less negative thought. I mean you take it and run with it how you please, however it best suits you. But the idea here is with what I went through and how I am now has been life changing, entirely different person. And that had to do with continuously building myself and being aware of my emotions which I know us guys don't like talking about, being aware of our emotions and how to interpret those and how to move on with those because I'm not going to lie, I was just tired of not being happy. Like, that's really what it came down to. I mean, also fear. I mean, of course, in the beginning, it was the fear of like, okay, how, how many times can I have these thoughts before they become real? But then as I started through my progression of trying to develop a more positive mentality, picking up new habits, like instead of grabbing those beers... Maybe I grab a book. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you made, or limit I know, myself. I know you made that change. You know what I mean? Um, or now I've been on this grind for quite a while now where I wake up every morning and the first thing that I say, like as soon as I open my eyes, I go, I'm glad that I'm alive. And I, I'm not a very religious person, but I am spiritual in the sense of I do believe that there is a higher power. And I've become very in tune with that. And so I like thanking somebody other than myself. So I thank the big man upstairs, and I say, thank you for giving me another day. Thank you for allowing me to see, allowing me to hear, allowing me to feel, allowing me to touch. I mean, I immediately when I wake up, those are the first things that shoot through my head. And then I go through a pair, prayer, pair, <laughs> go through a pair. I go through a prayer, and I have an app called Church Home that I use, and just because I don't really know how to pray, to be quite honest, Um, I know there's not like a real format, but I find it relaxing to have somebody else do the prayer for me and I can just kind of like go along with it. So I do that. And then as I'm making my breakfast or I'm showering or whatever, or I'm about to go to the gym, I listen to some motivational, like I'll literally just go to YouTube and type in motivational speech. Um, Denzel Washington has some amazing speeches. So some phenomenal films also. Yeah. (laughs) Remember the Titans? Let's go baby. Um, so one less, actually, I created it last year. Came up with a website, uh, came up with the logo, everything last year, but I honestly just didn't have the balls to to go through with it. I just didn't. I still had, although I'd been on this journey of more positive thinking, which I was, I still, confidence is, is something I've always struggled with, and so I just didn't have the confidence to do it. What, what were you scared of? Man, I was just... Because my, like I know, I can honestly say that had you had dropped this a year ago, like, my support for the... For it would have been the same, and 
I just want to know where you were at, where you thought, like, what were you thinking was going to be your pushback? What, did you think it was going to be other officers? Did you think it was going to be admin? Did you think it, like, what did, what kept you from putting it out? Because every, when you came to me a couple months ago and, and shot this to me as your idea, it's been the same concept for 12 months. Yeah. So what stopped you from putting it out 12 months ago? There's a backstory that I don't, you know, that I won't touch on too much that logistically messed it up. Okay. But with that being said, I also just didn't have enough confidence in myself. Um, my biggest repercussion was not a lot of people know what I went through because I kept it from everybody. Yeah. Whether you saw the output, you might've just thought, man, Dylan's an ass <coughs> like that. No, I was going through something. Um, something that I still deal with, but just on a very minimal level now because I've been able to manage it. Um, so that's another very real thing. If you're going through it, just know that it's not abnormal for it to stay. You just It's about being able to manage it, like almost to the point where it's insignificant in your mind. Um, I think that's another big issue is, uh, you know, getting off topic here. But the biggest... We're going to get off topic yeah, a lot. The, 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 the biggest thing was... <laughs> the biggest thing for me was... I didn't think that anybody would believe that I went through what I went through because I kept it so far it. away from everybody. And so now I'm here trying to push a nonprofit that or a podcast about mental health when I just my biggest fear was everybody in the department is going to be like, what do you know about mental health? Right. Or even better or not even better, but a better, you know, another thing that fought me was I didn't think that what I had experienced to lead me up to it were beneficial or substantial. I didn't think that I'd been through enough. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Uh, I didn't think that my experiences in life, because I know the people who have suffered way more trauma than I have. Yes. I didn't think that mine was relevant. So I didn't think my story would be heard. But I'm going to be honest with you. What really hit it home was I was scrolling through Facebook a couple months ago, and law enforcement today did a post on how many officers had committed suicide in 2019. And I'm sitting there, and I go, clearly this is still a problem, mm -hmm. and I need, and I want to do something about it. I need to do something about it. I have this drive. Bro, I've had dreams like over the past year. Like about me standing on a stage talking in front of a bunch of people. I don't know who I'm talking to. I've also had, like I've had these dreams that I'm on an airplane, but I don't know where I'm going. I just know that I'm on a computer typing up some type of language. I And I daydream about this stuff because I find it so crazy that I could literally live in one mentality that I felt in that moment would never go away and be completely different to go from wanting to leave the department and move to California where I've never been and be a bartender, which I've never done instead of being in law enforcement, because I was so caught up in, in my, my mindset and, and how much I hated myself and, and started to hate the job that, you know, I, it just got me to a place now where you, you fast forward a couple of years after I'd been working on myself and I wasn't working on myself to stay in the job. That wasn't my purpose. I was working on myself so that I didn't kill myself. Do you know what I mean? No, I, I You know, it had nothing to do mean, with, like, yeah. remaining in the police department. But that was a byproduct. As I started to get my, my mind back together, I started to find my purpose. I got In, into, in law enforcement. Yes. Yeah. I, got my, I, I got into community outreach. I got, which led to, you know, being recognized for several different programs. Uh, I created a teen law enforcement academy, which runs now. It's our uh, fourth session ever of 27 high school students that come every Thursday to the police department. I got to create something like that. 
I'm on, you and I are on the bot team. You know what I mean? Geek Squad, dog. Geek Squad, let's go, baby. We get to wear all the tacked out gear, but we just play robots the whole time. That's about it. Um, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> you know, we get to do that. I'm on peer support. I'm public information officer. I'm, you know, I'm a civil disturbance unit. If you listen to the first, you know, I, I the first little bleep podcast, you know. I mean, it's it's wild because, like. It's just, what the hell? I went from not wanting to be a part of anything. Exactly. To a part of everything. Like, I'm yeah. so rooted in this department and in this city that plan on going anywhere yeah. unless unless for some whatever reason this takes off to a point where i cannot facilitate both because i this mission to me is in my heart it's pure yeah then i then yeah but no i will ride the full 25 30 if you know if that's the plan for me and uh and so i also want to drive that home my mission here is to empower those officers who are on the street right now and they don't really know what their purpose is and they can't find their way because they're letting the media get to them. They're letting the toxicity in the department get to them. Look, there's shit that you cannot control. You cannot control admin. You cannot control the negativity that others bring upon you. And you damn sure can't control the calls for service you go on on a daily basis. Or, or our court system. Or the court system. Yeah. You can't control any of that. But you need to stay in tune with your purpose. I know it sounds really corny, but dig deep. Why did you become a cop in the first place? And hold on to that. And and also, with that being said, you know, there's this big thing of, well, I'm invested. It wouldn't make financial sense. I, I hear leave. that. I hear I that, that so much. I, I hate, hate hearing that. Because that. here's the deal. My pops told me this, all right? When I thought about quitting law enforcement, his, he gave me one piece of advice, which I've actually heard from other officers he gave to them too. He said, first, try working for yourself and not the department. Mm-hmm. Focus on the things that you truly enjoy. Make it like a little business. And make it like a, yeah, exactly. And if that doesn't work and you truly don't like this job, then you need to get the fuck out. Yes, I agree. And so here's the deal. If you're fully, if the only reason that you're in law enforcement right now is because you're invested. You got your five years well, the, old or the, whatever. The, and you're looking the at your retirement is, is that game. You're going to be creating a negative noise for those who are in it because their heart's in it. With that being said. Dig deep. I believe that anybody who comes into law enforcement, because of how unique the job is, has a purpose from the go. They have a reason for why they're in it. Even from me, who didn't even want to be in law enforcement, as soon as I found out that I was going to get the opportunity to do it, yeah. I was like, I'm going to be one less asshole. That was like my idea. But then I became an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> so not to people on the street. Uh, ironically, I kept it all, I guess, within the organization. There's people that, that walk around that didn't even, never thought that I was an asshole in the first place. You know, but never on the street. I never did that. That was never, it never reflected to how I treated people on the street. I've always been the same there. But I know my negativity definitely, especially you telling me, you know, what your experience with me, like mm-hmm. clearly it reflected on other people in the department. Sure. Um, and I have specific examples of that that I know and that I still be- feel bad about. I mean, it was one hell of a journey. But again, the ADD is just like, whew, oh, you know, I know. It's just like taking me off. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to reel you I back. But like, <laughs> I know. I, I just get on these. I can't talk to your mind. Yeah, I know. My mind this. is like trapped. Your mind is just and, running. You know, I know that's going to be the main critique. You guys need to get organized. All right, look. We no okay. In defense of that, we actually have like this organizational tablet in front of us yeah, with <laughs> with a list of things that we were supposed to talk about, and we have talked about none of them. Whoa, chill out. Chill we have out. definitely talked about those. All right, we have hit number one. Okay, we've hit number right. one of t- of twelve. You're right. Look, I just look. The thing is, is that you're really getting honestly. Daniels and I are raw, like where our heads at. That sounded terrible. I don't know what you were trying to say uh, right there. I don't know, dude. What are we doing? <laughs> uh, I think what bro. Dylan's trying to say <laughs> is we're both a, we're both a couple of grenades, <laughs> and 
the the pin has long been pulled, and it just it's just an explosion of idiocracy and occasional good thought. But I want to try and put this out for you guys the best that we can. We're both idiots, like in the in the comments. Hey, yourself, bro. You know what I, mean? <laughs> I read books sometimes. I hope you guys understand that this is something that we're both passionate about because it's something that we both went through and we're still going through. And I don't, I know Dylan has this like amazingly bright outlook on everything where he's like, you know, I, you know, I went through it, I went through it and here I am today and now I know how to deal with it. And it's like dramatically less. I can tell you that that's not, that's not how things are for me. And I don't think that everybody's experiences are going to be linear. Everybody's experience are going to be dramatically different how people choose and how people are able and capable of dealing with things is going to be dramatically different because I know that the reason why I signed up to do this with Dylan is because I believe in him. I believe in his message and I believe in the means that he's willing to go to, to try and help people because I am also one of those people who still suffers every day of my life. I, I still have to like consciously bring myself back to reality so that I can have a happy, functional life and I can do my job at a high level because these things will win. You know, they they will win if, if you don't try, if you don't fight back. And every day is going to be a fight. Every day has to be a fight because it's your life. If we get into a fight out there on the streets, we have to win because we could die. The same applies for you when you go home and you shut and lock the door. The fight's not over. The fight's still going on. I want you guys to go home and relax, but you need to remember to take care of yourselves. And I didn't do that. And I still don't do that for the most part, but I'm trying to, and I'm trying to get better. And I feel like this podcast and, and talking to you is just going to be a journey. And I want, I want to be a part of this journey with you guys. And I want this journey to be a, a team effort through all of us so we can we can be better. So we can be better officers, so we can be better people, and we can hopefully be a little bit more healthier so we can just live better lives because whatever whatever I was doing, whatever what what I have been doing has not been working. And I think now as a team, as a family, as a unit, we can all come together and we can find a better way to live our lives so we're not in pain anymore. And you got to remember this, all right? Just like all first responders, we this is all a selfless job. I mean, it's huge. It's very, very selfless. No other professions are like it. There's no other professions that match up to it. Any type of first responder or military is a selfless job. And it's something that you signed up for because you had a big heart and you wanted to make a difference. Everybody has a different distinct purpose, but that's usually the general reasons. And you have to hold on to that. Because there, as much as like, you know, it might be a shit sandwich out there with the media trying to target and stuff like that, and the way that you know we're treated on the street, we have the ability to make the biggest impacts on other people's lives. The biggest. True. There's not one other list of professions that have the same. We literally have the ability to save a life. We have the ability to you know mentor individuals who people, need assistance. People don't, people don't call nine one one because they're having a good day. Exactly, and you have to remember that you know you're out there. Because in that, and sometimes it seems dumb, like the calls we go on seem really dumb, but you have to know that that is that individual's person's wildest moment. It's their biggest, their biggest problem right then and there. And because we deal with those situations so often, we can start to assume that everybody's like that. But, you know, I think we're, to give you like a little bit of a, 
little breakdown before we close out of here. I just want to give you an idea of what our game plan is and what our objective is. So the podcast is to bring credibility to the nonprofit. The, the nonprofit is to get enough funding so that we can provide purpose style, resiliency style, mental health training to officers everywhere. That is our main goal. And then eventually building it into having a subdivision of every EMS, fire, dispatch, and also military, and eventually growing this into a big organization that is facilitating one purpose, which is to fight the stigma and end the stigma. And really, I just want to close with a few things, but the one thing being, this is an outstanding profession if you allow it to be an outstanding profession. That is the biggest thing that I have learned. It is what exactly what you make it. If you come in to work every day expecting a shit sandwich, you're probably going to get one. You're going to get it. If you walk in every day, you know, with your chin up and you're like, I'm doing this because I know I can make a difference. The job's still going to slap you around, but you have that backbone. You have that backbone. You have to know that the majority of people, and you, we've all heard this, I could never do your job. Well, that's absolutely right. Because and as, as much as some people don't like when I say this, it's we're a different breed. Individuals who come out here to do this kind of job, we are a different breed. And so it takes a really unique person to to do the job at a high level and continue to be healthy and continue to do it day after day after day without questioning yourself why or how do I keep doing this. It takes a really unique person and you all for those of the listeners that are first responders, that are military, that that deal with these situations on a daily and you still wake up, and you still put that uniform on, that in and of itself is phenomenal. Because you, you are you are one less. You know, you guys are, you're it. Because this is, this is a no-joke job. These are no-joke professions. And I'm proud of anybody that wakes up and puts our uniform on and goes to work. You know, I'm proud to be with you. And I got your back, and Dylan has your back. And we are our best advocates, and we're our worst enemies. And we... We need to stop being. We need to stop fighting against each other, and we need to get this. We need to. We need to figure out how to make it better for ours. The the lifestyle isn't going to change. The job isn't going to get easier. This job, if anything, is going to continue to get harder for us as, as time goes on. Hundred percent. We need to continue to improve the ways that we're communicating amongst each other, and the and the avenues that we're able to seek treatment and get help. And I, and I think that if there is a goal for us, it's to put men and women in touch. With those avenues, with those with those places that they can get some sort of help, and hopefully we as a team can can help you guys just in talking. You know, I know for me, I don't go to a therapist, even though I tell everybody that I know. Hey, you should you might want to go to a therapist. You might want to talk to somebody. My therapy is jujitsu. If that's your therapy, I'm gonna I'm gonna hook you up. We're working on something right now. I believe I believe in martial arts so much that I think that that's something that anybody can benefit from. But if it's not something that you want to benefit from and you think that therapy might benefit you, we're working on stuff on, the, on that department too so we can help you out. Reaching out in general is the main mission. Finding a healthy outlet like jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. Jiu-jitsu's amazing and I've been slacking on that. But it's not only necessary for combative situations in our job, but it's also a healthy way to, to have an outlet just like working out or something like that. Um, I urge you that if you have, and only, you only have to do one, but if you have one habit, if there's one thing, because we all know what it is, if you wake up every day and there's, and there's one thing that you're doing and you say, wow, I probably shouldn't have done that, just cor- correct it one step at a time, you know, or set one positive goal 
Like for me, I read one chapter of a book every day. I don't even like to read. Um, I've developed the habit of liking to read because I feel good about the material that I'm getting and I also feel good about actually accomplishing something that I set out to do. But it's all about making positive promises to yourself and keeping those promises. And I think we're going to end up closing with that. Um, we'll get into to more stuff in later podcasts. We're just letting this flow, guys. We're just we're just letting it go, you know, and that's it. So I want to close this with two things, all right, because because this is the biggest deal. I want to give you guys two resources, and they'll continue to grow as I build connections. One is the Emergency Responder Crisis Text Line, which is text BADGE to 741741. That is a crisis text line. If you're going through something or you really think you need help in that moment, keep that in your notes, reach out, and that is a good outlet to, to start your process of getting help. The next one is if you'd like to talk to somebody is the COP line. It's ran by retired LEOs, and that number is 1-800-267-5463. Reach out. We're all dealing with something, all of us, even if you want to reach out to me. So I'll put my tags out there. My Instagram is growwithdill, G-R-O-W-W-I-T-H-D-Y-L. And then our nonprofit is one less, the number one, L-E-S-S underscore org. And you DM either of those, I'm going to steer you in the right direction. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get those who are selflessly serving their communities into a better mentality so that they can start enjoying and truly loving the profession for what it is. So with that being said, I think we're going to close it out here. And uh, I really appreciate you guys tuning in, and I look forward to pushing out more content for you. Peace. Till next time, ditto to all that. David.Danos at OneLessTrading.org. If you guys want to talk, hit me up. I will respond as fast as I can. Love you guys. Take care. Another day, yes, another day. Thank God for another day. I know they want to see us dead. But this line, it'll never fade.